My guest this week is comic artist and writer Declan Shelby. Declan has done things like Moon Knight, Thunderbolts, Venom, Deadpool, Hulk, Wolverine, pretty much everything in the Marvel Universe for the past 10 years. He's also turned his hand to things like 28 Days Later and James Bond. He has also branched out from artist work to writing and he's written some absolutely fantastic books. He's Bog Bodies, which is about a an Irish gangster on the run in the Dublin Mountains, which was just absolutely intense. He had Savage Town, which was a, a gangster drama set in Limerick. Really, really worth checking out. His latest book is Time After Time, which is kind of a looper saga hybrid. Again, like everything else the man turns his hand to, it is absolutely fantastic. So without any further ado, here's Extra Vision with Declan Shelby. My guest today is comic book artist and writer Declan Shelby. Two well, not to my surprise, you did pick a, a comic book movie, but not one I think most people would expect, and certainly one that, that caught me by surprise. The film is Road to Perdition, based on the, the Max Allen Collins graphic novel. It, it, to me, it's, kind of, it's in that space of Cronenberg's history of violence, where the graphic novel isn't really associated with the film, like something like Watchmen or you know, V for Vendetta or other you know, Alan Moore properties are available. What do you yeah. think this one didn't either get the the graphic novel didn't get the recognition deserved after the fact with the film or why the film is so different to the book well i mean and i actually i'm, I'm glad you mentioned history of violence because i think i'd say they both came out within a year or two of each other because i remember remember seeing them both in a short space of time going like because I, I knew they were both based on uh, on on graphic novels and whenever anybody asks me what my favorite comic book movie is like because again these films came out I want to say mid-2000s. I can't really remember. Um, 2002. Right, early 2000s. But, you know, so this is before the comic, the superhero boom. So I used to, because I wanted to be very pretentious whenever anybody (laughs) said, what's your favorite comic book movie? I'd be like, Road to Perdition. Didn't you know that was based on a comic? But but it is, and I I always like giving that example because it's it's something that people don't consider at all. Um, Probably because it's a very, it's a very cinematic movie in a very kind of classical way, like it's very evocative, like, you know, um, uh, the cinema of the time and, um, you know, there's nobody punching each other through walls. So people, people, it's weird how like comic book films are now considered superhero films. Whereas, you know, the, the genre in film is, is as popular as the genre in that medium as well. You know, yeah, so um, it's become its own genre, like a superhero film. But you could look at yeah, something like, like the Avengers. A superhero is film is now a Marvel as, film yeah. in a weird way. When like a Marvel film was such a what? I, like I remember the days where you know there was a, there was a Spider Man film, and it was like oh, everyone's losing their mind about the idea of seeing Spider Man on, on on screen now. <laughs> you know, whatever. Like I skip superhero movies now just because. You know, unless I really, really want to go see them, or I think they're going to be really, really good. But like now, there's so many of them. the The hit ratio is much, uh, much lower. But 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 sorry. But as regards um, um, Road to Perdition, um, well, it, I mean, it's just an, it's an amazing. Like I'm, I'm I love Sam Sam Mendes. Um, the cast are incredible. Um, I, yeah, I, I just I think nobody has comic book blinkers on when they when they think of that film. Um, but uh, yeah, sorry, I'm not sure if I answered your question there. <laughs> Uh, and a few more I think that I hadn't asked as well um, yeah sorry sorry <laughs> on your 
art style as well. I, I can see it was only after you said this, I kind of went back to your kind of back catalog and I was noticing that this, and correct me if I'm wrong, this seemed to have a lot of influence. And the one that stood out for me in particular was Bog Bodies. I had this, you know, the, these widescreen shots where you see the kind of scape and the scope, the scape and the scope rather of this. And then for the much tenser scenes, you've got these kind of narrower, you know, up close and personal scenes with that. Is this, when you're writing, do you think, or you're writing your, or you're drawn, do you think in kind of cinematic terms or do you think specifically in comic book terms? Yeah, I mean, the, the term gets tur- thrown around a lot in comics as, as cinematic. And I mean, sometimes it just comes down to having like wide shots effectively. Um, but I think, um, like, I do quite like those kind of wide shots. Um, I, th- I think it's very, it's very cinema influenced. Um, you know, when I was younger, I used to draw like, you know, stills from say Taxi Driver or um, Pulp Fiction and, and it just just very much kicked with me. And, and I like, for me, when it comes to, to comics, you can pretty much fit five panels very neatly if they're all, say, letterbox would be the term I'd use. Mm. Um, and it paces things in a certain way. But I mean, you know, when you're, when you're writing, you can't accommodate necessarily that's what the artist likes. Yeah. But I definitely, um, you know, there's a supposed grid with comics that people know is kind of like um, uh, three tiers or um, where it's like maybe two panels, two panels, one panel. Um, whereas I tend to think more, you know, one, 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 one. And mm-hmm. I think it happened more with books um, like Moon Knight and Injection where I really embraced that. And having written afterwards since, I, 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 I feel myself pacing things in the same way but but again it does depend on the artist and they might kind of go another way with it with bog bodies i think me and gavin were both very similarly minded so it kind of it was a nice there was a nice overlap there with how we wanted to tell a story do you think that's why this and a history of violence were such good adaptations they didn't necessarily adapt the book but like something again keep going back to Watchmen, where it's basically fan art with none of the heart of the essence whereas this it got the tone of the yeah. book right but even stuff like like jude law's character isn't in the book and like if you were to do that now like if you were to throw a character into to a Watchmen or to a comic like people would kick up murder but because this was sort of you know an indie comic for want of a better term it, it got the spirit of the comic book but added more to it do you think that's why it was such a successful and why you like you said you're kind of yeah. getting turned off superhero films now well, I mean, um, uh, well, it's just a weird thing now, whereas um, everything, there's so much superhero stuff in, 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 in popular medium now. I, you know, you know uh, if it's a superhero film or a rival, I'd prefer go see a rival. You know, I'd, I, I don't, you do, it's in a weird way, you don't want to get kind of um, caught in this loop where you're just watching this stuff. Um, based off the stuff that you already like that informs your inspiration behind making work it feels like a kind of a really um i don't know a stale way to be to be inspired by stuff I, I i try watch original things when i can um and i think with like you know when we go back 20 years uh, or 15 years when those films came out um you know those were they were they were they weren't huge huge books they were smaller books so there was less i imagine there was less um you know, the fandom wasn't as possessive. And, and in a lot of cases, again, like we're roughly the same age, we're just so glad yeah. <laughs> to see stuff be adapted. You'd just be like, yeah, sure, whatever, you know. The X-Men are all in black, yeah, fine, whatever. Um, but with those kind of stories, um, they didn't have the, I mean, 
and again, people take for granted, like the idea of people jumping around and flying and stuff is, is totally accepted now in film. But like at the time, you know, it was seen as silly. Yeah. And that, that kind of, that stigma isn't there anymore. But, you know, you can watch a film with, uh, about a, you know, about a, a criminal on, on the run. That's not something you haven't seen in, in cinema before. So I, I think there was a really a more um, understandable crossover with those stories and maybe a fandom that was less precious about you know, exactly everything behind the page. Like, because similar to you, like, what you said about Watchmen, that's why I hate that film. It, I, like, I've already read the book. I don't want to see, seeing someone just take stuff that's the book and exactly make it into another medium. That's not adapting. You know, it's no, just, just... It's, it's like, like that Psycho remake. It's like, you, you can't take a picture of a picture and it be the same, have the same effect. What's the point? You know, like, like at least try something different. Or like this, I remember, like, with the new Watchmen show, I remember everybody being really annoyed when they saw the trailer because it didn't look like anything like the movie or the, the comic. And I was, I was actually, I was more interested because I'm like, I don't know what this is. And yeah. I want to, you know, I, I like it when, give me a brand, like, say, whatever it is. Watchmen or X-Men and show me something I haven't seen before and I'm excited. Yeah. You know, because and I think that show season. done it really well. Like, I had people who like loved that show and I was like, oh, did, were you a fan of the book? The, the what now? They did no clue there was, this was, you know, a pre-existence. Like, all the little things that me and you would get that they didn't, it was able to work on its own. Which, which, which is fine, but there, there's so much stuff that's kind of made for the fans a little bit too mm. much. You know, like, I remember reading that the, the director of the Ghost Rider movie was the biggest Ghost Rider fan in the world. And I was thinking, yeah, that probably wasn't a good idea. No. Because you know? <laughs> even as, as a creator sometimes, you know, um, the book I'm most known, known for is Moon Knight. And that's a character I had no, I didn't care. I wasn't remotely bothered. Like I had no intimidation about the character. Whereas when I worked, got to work on Batman, I froze for like a week. Because, you know, everything that you, all your inspirations and your, your, your childhood loves for something, can totally get in the way and um you know what you want is you want someone to inject something new into a material not just like you know play play the hits just while you mentioned moon knight because i'm seeing there's a lot of talk about being adapted now with uh, with oscar isaacs you know your yeah. rod has been mentioned as like the kind of the, the touch point for that story how would you feel about oscar isaacs you know acting out you know your well, i mean it's natural i mean this is the natural <laughs> him, you know i don't know where's charisma or just pure talent <laughs> but um uh, i know like i mean i mean i i i would see some of the, some of the fans um of the character be very like particular over um who's being cast i i don't care like like oscar isaac's an amazing actor so yeah Sure, like he'd 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 be great at anything, so I'm I'm I'd be more than happy if that that panned out. But um, yeah, I mean I don't I don't know I I I haven't and nothing I've done is I've seen adapted. Um, I, th- I think some of the some of the stuff from my Deadpool run seems to kind of be sprinkled in here and there. But um, I I don't know like I I I. I I'm going to I'm going to know nothing going in there like everybody else or when that show does 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 get made. So I'm curious. It'll be cool. I mean, you know, like just for the like, oh yeah, I did that for yeah. you know, if I'm trying to crack onto somebody, you know, you know, uh, <laughs> Moon Knight, and they'll know what the hell I'm talking about. because um, I worked on Deadpool before anybody knew what Deadpool was, you know. Um, and there's another was it Venom. I worked on Venom too before it was a film. Like so now it's weird that these kind of more obscure characters I've worked on are now have cultural um, impact 
in a totally different way, you know. You've turned into a human garage band in Seattle where it's like, oh, yeah, no, I worked on that before it was a thing. (laughs) (laughs) I just finally wrote the prediction. Did you ever read any of the the sequel comics? No, no, I didn't. I always meant to, though. Um, I just throw in the pile of stuff I've been meaning to read. Um, But no, because I know know they came out after the film. Um, But I I don't, yeah, I I haven't haven't read them. And it does, again, it suffers from that you know it's affected by the film the son comes back he joins the gangster world and the son of the son comes back and it's just you you had a good thing and you tried to make it into something else then i mean i can't i can't can't blame him if i had something that was made into a film i'm like i can see that i can understand the 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 appeal of doing a a sequel but like i i just um you know but like if they did a sequel to that film it would be horrible you know just because it's such a great I think the nice thing about adaptations like that is that they can boil things down to like its most distilled goodness, you know, um, it cuts all the fat out and you just have the, like the best thing about that, um, about that story, that idea. And, um, but again, like with a filmmaker like Sam Mendes and I think it was, um, who was a cinematographer on that? It was, um, Roger Deakins. No, no, it wasn't Deakins yet. Cause, um, uh, Oh, I can't think of his name, but basically he was the best cinematographer like of the time until he died and then kind of Deacons uh, took over. But um, like, yeah, the, all the, 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 everything looks like a painting. You know, it's just such a beautiful film from beginning to end. And the cast are amazing. Jude Law and um, uh, yeah. Conrad I mean, Hall, Hanks. I beg your pardon. Con- that's just Conrad Hall. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, and, I, and I was a Mendes fan ever since then. Everything he's done, I've loved since. Another film on your list now, the next one here, is one which actually this week rumours have come out this is going to get a sequel as well. And that's 1995's Heat. Um, to stick it with your world here, this felt like something of a crossover event with De Niro and Pacino on screen for the first time. <laughs> they were in Godfather 2. Why this film over any of you know the, the other De Niro, Pacino, or even like the likes of Goodfellas or Casino? Well, I mean, I, I picked Heat because um, it's the best distillation of like, you know, I was trying to narrow things down, like in those things like Inception and um, a lot of like Goodfellas and like there's a lot of, there's some films that just um, tick a kind of a dark thread um, and a great like sense of, um, uh, I don't know, there's just a, there's like, there's like a, a certain thread that kind of goes through those films which are a level of like um, drama, tension, thriller, uh, uh, and I just, what's the best distillation of that? And I think because it has Pacino, because it has De Niro, uh, I mean, Val Kilmer, um, and it, and like, I love Michael Mann's stuff too, but I, I was trying to think of a film that just was a good example of that, that had the most Venn diagram of all the things I like. Um, and I also got, I got a chance to see Heat in cinema in the, um, in the IFR, in the IFR, no, in the Lighthouse uh, last year. And I mean, you know, that film was 94. So I think the first time I saw that film, I, I, I taped it off TV, you know, back in the days when you could only see like... I had two VHS tapes. That's how big it was. The three-hour film. <laughs> oh, so it yeah. was like after the coffee shop scene, you had to take out and put in the other tape, which of course was never bloody rewound. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I used to, um, you know, pause it when, the, when, the, tape, when the, the, the break came on and then re-record, right? You know, I had a time. <laughs> you'd know when the network two thing came across <laughs> you know exactly when to hit record again um but uh so you know i've known that film like basically from like uh vhs 
and then DVD when DVD happened. And then there was a whole new level of cinematography just because the quality was so much better. And seeing it on, um, on screen was phenomenal. Um, I, I hadn't considered the sound. The sound is deafening. Like the scenes of the helicopter going over L.A., you know, I just watched on TV. It looks cool. In the cinema, though, it's like it's a deafening sound. Um, when the when the guns go off, like it sounds, it's epic sounding, and um, it was an amazing experience to watch something through um, that I'm so used to seeing yeah. through like my teenage eyes and looking at it brand new again. And it was still amazing, you know. Um, and there's so many amazing lines from De Niro in that as well. Uh, that I, I think I spent my entire teenage years in school um uh, <laughs> quoting you know uh she's got a great ass you know <laughs> um, i love the fact that he does that scene with hank azaria who's mo in the simpsons who based yeah, the yeah. mo voice on him in dog day afternoon and hank does a great behind the scenes thing of <laughs> yeah. hank azaria just like there's this surreal moment where i'm thinking does he know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's amazing and also i think i had a mad crush on um, ashley judd because she was in star trek um <laughs> And then, yeah, I think she was in that afterwards. Like, it's such a, it's such a crossover. Oh, and Natalie Portman. Um, like, it's real. Like, watching that, that film again, you're just like, wow, every person in this is amazing. You know? There's, yeah, um, it's like there's Val Kilder, there's John Voight is in that. John Voight's character is actually based on Mr. Blue from Reservoir Dogs, Eddie Bunker. Oh, is he? I didn't know that. Yeah, he was a, a career criminal as well. He keeps, he's one that of those people sense. that starts off as, like, same with Danny Trejo. He was initially a consultant on the film and ended up getting cast there in the film then. But again, Danny Dreho, like, I remember, like, you'd be watching going, like, oh, I forgot he was, oh, he said this is what, you just forget, you know, but, um, but I just, I'm like, I'm a big fan of crime, crime, uh, crime uh, films, crime noir, um, and it's just, like, it's, it still remains, I think, just, just like a fantastic, cin- like, cinema, uh, cinematic thriller, uh, where I just, it's just, I, I don't know, the, the, they don't make a lot of the films like that these days, you know. It's just like it just feels like. Just, you don't. You can't put this on a lunchbox. You can't. It doesn't. I know there's talk now, but it doesn't lend itself to a sequel. Um, no, no, not at all. You know, and every, everyone's just like on on their on their a game, um, and and yeah, I mean, and again, it's just like the shots, the city shots, the street shots, like that. I think that all oh, like that that that's etched into my brain a lot. A lot of those scenes, um, just because I watched them again and again and again when I was a kid, you know. I like to play kind of amateur psychologist when a guest picks a film and try and find the reason why they do it. So, for this one, what I've come up with is this for me has always been a movie about the cost of obsession. Um, someone who works crazy hours isn't quite sure if their work is going to pan out. Do you maybe see a bit of yourself in, uh, in Neil here in this film? <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, I'm, um, well, I'm probably more going to end up like uh, Pacino, <laughs> um, you know, working too much, uh, uh, you know, family life gone to hell, <laughs> driving my TV down the road and then kick it out in the street. <laughs> <laughs> and just, it, yeah, turn into a crazy eccentric character. You know? <laughs> I just go, like, <laughs> into, my, into my old age. For a film that everybody knows and loves, like this is very underrated. Like I was looking at the the Oscars that year, it wasn't nominated for Best Picture, had no acting nominations. Babe was nominated for Best Picture that year, and he wasn't. So it's, <laughs> it's a big weird. win. Unfortunately, <laughs> not Brave. This was the year of Braveheart. Ah, <laughs> oh, right. Fair enough. I, I mean, yeah, it's it, it's hard to think sometimes of um, films that you've totally, you know 
put into your DNA and then you, like the way that we have conversations now about the Oscars and then there's all these films which will have turned into classics and others which will have totally been forgotten. And you'd be like, that person won that year? But like, this is the greatest film that was like of the decade. But you know, it's, these things are viewed in different kind of, different, you know, different, uh, different contexts, you know. Um, I didn't know that. Um, I don't know if Michael Mann's won anything or, but I mean, I don't know. As, as somebody else who's cruelly um, looked over for <laughs> awards, um, all I can say is us geniuses just need to do it. You just need to do it. It has to be about the work, man. You know? <laughs> the tortured artist suits you well. <laughs> um, another <laughs> film, your final film on your list now is one which has, again, a scene now is kind of a classic, but at the time it was so, somewhat overlooked. Uh, that's old school. And the reason I say it was somewhat overlooked is we kind of got, it's easy to look back at it now. Will Ferrell hadn't done Anchorman yet. He'd only done Zoolander was his one big one. Elf was to come that year. Vince Vaughn, who'd started off in Swingers, Jurassic Park, had completely tapered off. He'd done the Psycho remake, which we talked about, and yeah, Domestic yeah. Disturbance as well. What was it about this film that you decided to, to put on your list? It just... Um, well, one, you know, like I said, I, I got the, the adaptation in there, and I got the kind of like crime thriller in there but um i'm also a ridiculous person so uh, and i love i love my comedies um and i i think like i think i was i was, I was recommending game night to a friend recently and i was saying like it's one of the best comedy films i've seen in a long long time that they, it seems to be so hard to do a really good comedy film you know it's that's 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 all it is a lot of them just kind of fall flat in their face and i think a lot followed in the wake of old school that just weren't anywhere near as good as it um but like um luke wilson isn't a huge star and um, like i said vince vaughn wasn't a star really by any means and will ferrell i mean i had only i mean um i had never you know i was aware of saturday night live but it wasn't something that like uh i would have been aware of. i would i wouldn't i never saw it you know until like the last few years so i didn't know who will ferrell was i i had seen him in zoolander and i loved him in that uh, which is another film I love. Again, that's a great comedy film. But um, uh, it just, <laughs> I remember just going, okay, yeah, it'll be funny, whatever. And I had to go see it. And there's a scene where they're in a wedding and you can hear, um, you know, uh, turn around. <laughs> and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, a band playing the, uh, at a wedding. And you can hear, like, they just start slipping in swear words. And you're kind of going, wait, did they just say? And you can see the people in the film going, did they just say? And I think from then on, <laughs> I was just on board, you know? Um, and I think, like, those actors are never better. Vince Vaughn in that role was amazing. Um, Luke Wilson, who I really like, kind of just kind of walks through it a bit. But um, I think Will Ferrell was, sometimes he's better the less he's in it, yeah. you know? And he was, everything he did in that film was just so ridiculously funny to the point where it's a problem I have with comedies these days as well is um, Judd Apatow like cut cut it down you know comedies shouldn't be more than an hour and a half because you just you get tired of laughing even if it's a really funny film you just kind of there's only so long you can actually physically be laughing and find things funny and um, it, I just think like it just it, it was really distilled I was telling somebody the other day that at my funeral I want somebody to sing um, Dustin uh, the was <laughs> Yeah, blow it, yeah, candle, or yeah. Um, Dust in the wind. Was it again? Yeah, Dust in the wind. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then yell, um, you're my boy, Blue, you know. Um, 
uh, it just, I, I think, I mean, I mean, it's, it's completely juvenile humor, but like, um, uh, I, I just, and, and look, I have no interest in, 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 uh, in college pledges or what were they? They were like, yeah, they were a uh, fraternity. Yeah. fraternity. Yeah. Fraternity. What the hell do I know about a fraternity? <laughs> we didn't do everything like that. But I just, the, the whole idea was so ludicrous. All the actors are on the game. The writing I thought was so funny. Um, and I, I just, I hold that up to so many comedy, like modern comedies uh, don't hit the same. Like I find the comedies I'm watching these days are all tend to be like stuff from before that, like, yeah. you know, Naked Gun or, or, or whatever else. Um, uh, and I, I, I think, yeah, that like those other comedies that came out after old school, they just aren't, they did better, but weren't anywhere near as good. And um, I just always have a special, special place in my heart for that film. The director, Todd Phillips, who, of course, went on to make uh, Joker as well, he said, like, it was a statement that initially I was like, no, he's like, you can't make comedies like this anymore. But he kind of has a point, I hate to say, like, that Vince Vaughn character, you know, the, the even the bit at the altar, yeah. he's, like, trying to talk him out of it, and then turns around to the husband and is like, or to the father, he's like, oh, it takes a real man to give away an angel. But then later on, he has that scene oh, where he can cheat fantastic. on his wife. And he doesn't. So there is a kind of like he is a well-written. Well, look, character. that's it. Like I think I think um, I, I just recently watched something where Vince Vaughn was talking about a role he was in, and like I'd forgotten that. Like he talks a big game, but he absolutely would never cheat his wife because he does love her. You know, um, like a film like that could be grossly misogynist, and it could be just you know horrible. Um, but I think it's self-aware in that because also it's, it's men who are too old to be doing that. You know, the, fu- the funny premise is that they're doing it, but you know, but they don't, they're not doing it by the end of the film. No. You, know, you know what I mean? That's, that's where it wouldn't be a joke anymore. You know, um, uh, like it is a ridiculous premise and that premise should like end. <laughs> Otherwise it's just horrible. And um, uh, I mean, yeah, I know you hear like, you can't make stuff like that anymore, but I, I do. I, I think, I don't know. It's, it's like that in a lot of creative mediums right now. Uh, and I certainly do appreciate it when someone, people take chances. And, um, you know, you could take lines of that film out of context and just be horrible. But if you, again, if you look at it in the scheme of things, like everybody moves on in some way, except Frank the Tank. Like, he ends up divorced at the end of the film. So it's kind of like the whole thing is that they're going back to a time in their life where they, you know, they were nostalgic for it. Think, it maybe they were as good as they thought they were. If that film was made in the 80s, I think it would have been like, you know, that uh, everybody loves Frank the Tank in the A's goes, and his wife takes him back because he's just so cool. But no, that doesn't happen. They do break up, you know. Um, I, got, I think it is, it is actually a bit more aware of itself. And like, I mean, I, and I, I really liked um, uh, Todd Phillips did um, uh, Starsky and Hotch after that and I really liked that as well. I, um, I kind of fell off the track with the, the Hangover movies and I've kind of yeah. never really I think I watched the first one and it was, it, I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as uh, what he'd done before. But um, uh, I know, like, you know, it, it does have an edge to it, which I always appreciate uh, in anything because, you know, there's definitely, uh, uh, there's definitely a devil on your shoulder uh, encouraging you to sanitize yourself. Um, and it's always good when someone kind of just takes a chance on, on something, you know. Um, I, I don't know if you even feel that. I, I don't. This is maybe slightly off topic, but um, I saw people going on talking about how great. There's a clip of this um, uh, lady interviewing um, actors and celebrities hmm. in the 70s. Did you see that one going? Yeah, around? I did. She's yeah. being very. Yeah, and everyone's like, "Oh, I'd love there for this to happen." I'm like, "You could never let that happen." Like, act, like actors have to be so careful about what they say now. 
And I, I as a person who loves films and I love, um, you know, I, I actually really like listening to actors talk about what they work on. Um, everyone's so guarded and you have to be, you know, and it, it, I'm sure I find the stuff that kind of is more interesting now is when people are a bit more honest and a bit more frank. And um, uh, like, there's just no way actors could do that now, you know. Um, uh, so when someone is, I think that's why that kind of, that stuff is so shocking because people are actually like having real reactions or um, also like, you know, getting offended. It seemed like they were getting pretty, those questions didn't go down too well. But um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I sorry, I think I've just gone on a mad rant. No, I agree. Cause I love like, this guy, Sam Jones. I love hearing actors talk about acting in the process. That Like I've no interest mm-hmm. in who they're sleeping with, what the scandal is, if they're an alcoholic, if they're this, they're that. I'm interested yeah. in you can do something I can't do. And the same talking to your, someone like yourself, you do something I can't do. How do you do it? And I can't. I'm interested in that side, not like, you know, the, the, the shock in trying to get, you know, you know, your two minute viral video out of that, which is something that seems to be the norm now as opposed to an actual conversation. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think, do you remember that interview with, um, oh, what's her name? She was in that 70s show and, um, Mila Kunis. Um, yes. There's that kind of viral video of um, there was a, this young fellow was interviewing him. Oh her. yeah, yeah, which is hilarious. I loved. I mean, I was dying laughing, but I, yeah, it feels like that's what everyone's trying to do now, and it doesn't work because that was such something that was just off off the cuff, mm. um, and and it is tough to when like I, I, I guess why I feel like um you know um long form podcasts have taken off so well because you know if things aren't whittled down to five minutes, you can actually get something interesting out of a person, but you know, you're trained not to because, you know, what if you, you know, drop. Yeah. What if you lame niece in the situation? <laughs> yeah. You know, which I, I like that. That's, that's horrible, you know? Um, and all the person's trying to do is sell their film, <laughs> you know? And, you know, you just prefer a genuine moment. Out of, so, I mean, this, this is something I, I think of as a, as a viewer to stuff. I, I, I wonder if, do you find that when you're interviewing people that you're there, you have to kind of get through a level of veneer to get to anything interesting. Yeah, the, especially if it's something like a, a junket situation where that, where you can just kind of tell, you know, they've been asked the same questions 50,000 times a day. It's it's when you ask them something, not to drop a name. I got to interview the, the Russo brothers for Infinity War. And yeah, I started asking yeah. them about their uh, their Google. They were interested in Google Glass technology. And all of a sudden, the two of them pepped up in the seats and they went waffling on about something that, you know, I can't use that as a clip on that because it's not something yeah, you can yeah. go, oh, I'm not going to click onto that. But it's if you watch it, you you get something interesting that they, they haven't said in 50 different interviews now. And that's yeah. the thing that I like about it. Not like I could go to a list of questions where I've seen it. I can Google their answers to this. I know the answers to that. I want to ask you something you haven't been asked and it might lead somewhere or it might lead nowhere they might just say no i've not never thought of that and i'm no interest in it yeah but you probably see a spark you know behind their eye go oh cool because you don't consider that like um they're going through they're yeah, basically answering the same question over and over and over again and then you're watching the interview going like god they seem like total dry shites mm. and of course they do like if you if i asked you the same question over and over again you know you're not going to be you know the most uh, excited and entertaining person there is you know but uh Sorry, Sorry, Harrison Ford again. in front of you. Don't say what drew you to the <laughs> film because he's going to say the script. It's always the goddamn script. Okay, yeah, you're wasting yeah, five yeah. minutes of my time on this. Just go back <laughs> briefly now to the the film old school. You got to speak at your old school and give talks about what you've done. Will you have have any of that tinge of nostalgia when you went back? Like, was is that strange going back as someone who you know? I, I know you're quite modest, um, but someone who's accomplished what you have 
you know, you're a decade at Marvel. To go back to, you know, where uh, it began, how does that feel with you? Uh, well, I think the last time I, I think the, t- the only time I talked to uh, my old school was, I was a good few years ago now, so I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have, um, uh, I, I probably be a bit, a bit different now. I think I haven't done, for a weird, weird, weird way, having done 10 years of Marvel, that kind of mean, you know, that that's something I can go, okay, well, I actually have been there a long time. Mm. So, you know, I did have actually done something. When you're in the middle of it, though, you're just like, I just hope they keep fucking hiring. Sorry, uh, they keep um, hiring. I can swear it's grand. Um, (laughs) Okay. um, But, uh, yeah, so you're just like, I just hope they they keep letting me in the door. Um, But, um, I mean, I, I, I also, but I also have to remind myself, like, when I was trying to, when I was in that school and I was drawing, like, superheroes in the back of my you know my geography class or whatever um you know i'd get stick for it like they're like oh you're wasting your time with this stuff and um and now you know haha i wasn't <laughs> as it turns out um and there was and there was nobody else uh doing it when 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 i was a kid like i thought i was the only person in ireland who was drawing comics now as it turns out there was more around the country but you're in clare i mean you know i wasn't i had no idea um but no, it is nice sometimes to kind of. What happens is when you're when you're talking to other creatives, other people who draw, write and draw comics, it, 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 because it's a job, you kind of end up getting into the, you know, the work chat. But then when you kind of talk to somebody who you've known a long time, and they're like, "I can't believe you're actually getting to do this," you're like, "This is actually insane," you know, because, yeah. you know, uh, like I was saying, um, I've said to people before when I said I want to draw comics, it's like saying you want to be an astronaut. Like, sure, yeah, good luck, <laughs> you know. You know, so yeah, yeah, comics, yeah, that sounds great. And and you know, the, you can't blame someone for thinking that because who the hell does it? But it turns out, me, <laughs> I do. <laughs> but it. I even had that the first time I I'd seen uh, what I think was the the good, the bad, the ugly was the first one of yours from Marvel that I'd read. Mm-hmm. And I remember being, oh, he's an Irish guy. And I was like, oh, Irish, what? He was born in Boston or something. He's like, no, he was born in Dublin. He grew up in Clare. And I was like, wait, what? Like, this was felt like, it was like working in the movies. You know, was like, oh, that's a thing that's in America. It's this far away, mystical land, and you can never go oh. there. And I was like, that's how I became well, a fan. He was like, well, we support our own. That's what I was thinking when I was a kid. Like, I mean, you know, like, it's, it's in America. But um, uh, you don't think that it can apply to you. But I mean, like, I'd love to say that I, I thought it all through and um, I, I realized it was the best decision to make. I was just clearly determined and nothing was going to stop me. I had no fallback plan. You know, it's not, it's not advice I would give to anybody who wants to start out. Uh, it's like, just consider it your only option and just keep at it. Like, it's, just, it's not what I would say, but it's, it's, it's what I did anyway. Um, and, and it would be, I remember I'd be, I'd be, talk, I'd be talking to people like, um, when I was working around Ennis and you're trying to explain it, I would often use movies as an example. It's like, um, well, you know, the way sometimes George Clooney, like, you know, he's in big films, but like he would have done smaller films first. Hmm. That's how I explained like small press comics, you know, because people understand like movies more than, because, because they're basically our, our, they're the main artistic medium that we all understand, you know, and not everybody goes to the museum. But everybody goes, well, everybody used to go to the yeah. cinema. <laughs> um, um, but people understand that a little bit better. So I was always able to, always able to use that, you know, like um, as a kind of a, well, this is kind of what I'm doing. And, you know, they would be as, as on board as they possibly could be. Oh, when I was younger, I'd probably take more um, slice that people didn't understand. But like 
you know, when you're older, you're like, yeah, that isn't the same thing to want to do. But, you know, I, I'm clearly not the only one who made it happen. You've got like guys like Will and um, Stephen Mooney and there's, there's a chunk of us doing it now. Um, and, you know, some of us to do with the internet, some of us to do with, um, uh, um, I guess we're all raised on the same stuff around the same time, but um, some of us pure determination, but, um, and then when you get in the industry, you realize so much of that American medium is like Italians and Brazilians and, you know, Canadians and, um, you just, um, once you kind of get in things, I don't I guess the ground shifts once you're, once you spent 10, 20 years or something, um, you hope that you've gotten decent enough at it, you know? How long did it take you? Because I, I don't want to say embarrass isn't the right word, but even for me, like I say, I was reading a, a, a graphic novel or a comic on, on a bus or the Lewis. There was that kind of, I don't know, this feels like I need to put it like a Playboy yeah. cover or something around it and maybe less yeah. embarrassing. This is how you know, this is how I know I'm old now because kids today, <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't have that, you know? Like if you had brought, if you, I remember when I was in school, it was, uh, I, was I had a comic in art class and someone was like, oh, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's a comic. And they're like, oh, cool. You don't read it though, do you? You know, as if there was something like inherently um, uh, terrible about actually reading the thing. Looking at the pictures was fine, but it was something wrong with you if you read it. Um, I remember I used to draw Spider-Man comics and I was on the school bus and somebody saw, saw, saw it and like they started calling me Spider-Man to like, to make fun of me. <laughs> but I mean like, well, that backward. That's okay. <laughs> like, I like Spider-Man. That's fine. You know, that, that's, how, that's how witty the, um, the school bus bullies were, you know. They see a thing and they call you it. <laughs> but I used to, like, if I was going, let's say, I, I tore my knee a couple of years ago, and if I was going to, like, uh, meeting the consultant or the, the waiting room, I would have, let's say, you know, Batman Year One, but I'd also have, like, a, a book, like a novel there, and kind of read the room to see, hang on, will I be judged if I take this out, and I'll keep the grown-up book there in case there's oh, yeah, going to get there dirty looks. No... There's no social stigma to reading comics now, which is something I forget because I'm, you know, an adult now. But, um, but yeah, I do remember when, you, when I was a kid, like, you would get looks, you know. It was like, what's wrong with you? But I don't, I don't you know, maybe, maybe I'm totally wrong. And, uh, you know, if you're a 14, 13-year-old and you were reading a comic, uh, you know, you'd get, you'd get crap for it. But I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't ring true to me now just because the way superheroes and stuff are, are, are in the culture in a way that they weren't like when i was a kid iron man was the lamest superhero like avengers boring like they look they look terrible you know like they, they i had no interest in them and like now you know it's flipped where it's the biggest <laughs> it's the biggest franchise in the world and iron man is the most popular superhero character you know Th- that that's what dry, that's what i boggles my mind is the idea that every kid knows who Iron Man is now, or that was kind of a, it was a niche within a niche uh, when I was a kid. And then you have things like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy now, which is, you know, you've the talking raccoon and a tree that can only say his name. And that's, you know, no, that's, that's like a normal thing now. <laughs> yeah, it's bonkers. I mean, I, I love the, like, I love the stuff like that, you know, they, I, I like that they didn't just keep making Avengers movies. I mean, they kind of did, but like they did wacky things, you know, um, so I actually, I, I genuinely do like Marvel films a lot because they just kind of play around with genres within what they're doing. You know, like Ant-Man's a heist movie or uh, Winter Soldier was like a political lesbian. Like they, they, they're, they're bending the superhero genre in ways where my favorite comics do that too. 
you know i don't really like superhero comics as such as like like i do like superheroes but i always like it when there's like i like daredevil because there's a crime angle to it or i like you know uh another book because it like what they did with dr strange or they instead of trying to make the same movie over and over again they they kind of bend it out into other genres and, and i think this was kept it fresh for the last what is it 10 years I just one thing just before I let you go because I know time's up against us. I'm sure you've got a million projects to finish. Um, obviously, your work as well. But one thing that I really like that you do is the the newsletter. It was one oh, of these thanks, things. Man. Where it's like, uh, how much is going to be in this? But there's so much like you know projects that have kind of fallen by the wayside. I'll put the the subscribe oh, links in the notes. But <laughs> I, I've got so much. It was one of those things. Like you just kind of do it just to do it. And then I was, I was like, Jesus, he should he be saying this? Is there <laughs> like I, I really got a lot of the behind the scenes stuff in that as well. That I really yeah. I mean, it's that. where I like to air my controversial views on race and religion. Um, <laughs> it's my manifesto. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. um, no, you know, I mean, uh, well, the writer I was wor- uh, working with, Warren Ellis, he, he had a newsletter, and I, I just really liked reading it. You know, and um, especially in the age of social media, where everything's just churned out, and you know, if I try like that book you mentioned earlier, Bug Bodies, if I tweet about that on a Monday, by it's not even by Tuesday, it's old news. By an hour after the tweet went out, it's old news. And it's really hard to kind of get eyeballs on your stuff because it's just the, the competition for your attention span is so high. And um, I used to do a blog when I was when I was starting out. I used to like, when I went to convention, if you, if you Google it, you'll find it. You'll find me talking about like the first time I went to a Birmingham convention somewhere. Actually, I should probably delete that thing. Just in case. <laughs> but um, um, but I, did, I did like the process of it. And because I write more now as well, I, I, I felt it was a good way for me to at least be typing something out every, every couple of weeks. But I, but I also don't like newsletters that go on all the time and, and just start annoying you. So I try to keep it to just once every two weeks um, where I just kind of lightly talk about what I'm working on without, without giving anything away specifically. Um, but I, I also do like, I like being able to give people a peek, a peek behind the curtain. My, my thinking was if you're willing to subscribe to it, you're interested enough to hear me babble on. Mm. But what the, the other side of it is, because it's not social media, I have no idea how much anybody likes it, you know, uh, which is interesting because, you know, in the last 10 years or whatever, since Twitter and Facebook and stuff, when you put something out, you're like waiting. Like, I won't lie. When I post a cover I've done, I am looking for the likes and the retweets. Mm. And I do get a sense of like accomplishment if it does well. Um, which isn't necessarily good for the creative mm. brain. You know, it, it feels good in the moment, but like after years and years and years of that, I think it is warping people's heads. So it is, it's frustrating, but I think also good for me to just put something out there and have no idea <laughs> if, if anybody's liking it. I mean, I, I think, I, I think it's stopped growing. Um, I, I don't, cause I also, I don't promote it online because too much because I wanted to be something where like I can show you something that nobody that without revealing it online that whoever subscribed you get to see it and that's it it's our little our little secret basically and I have to say I do that every time I see it there was there was one uh, a couple of weeks ago you were talking about the the Batman project that unfortunately fell apart and it was kind of you yeah. explaining the circumstances behind it and it was in brackets like this is our little secret don't put this in social media so of course straight away I was on social media seeing if anyone had done it and nobody had, but above that, you yeah, had shared a cover has. and you're like, reshare this and that. So it wasn't a case of, you know, they just missed it. Like everyone shared what you told them to, everyone kept it themselves. It, it, it does feel very inclusive. 
yeah, I, 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 I like that, you know, because I think I, I said in the, in the newsletter once, it's like, if, I, if somebody does, does post it, then I'm just going to stop doing it. You know, um, like I, 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 I tried not do it with Marvel stuff because it's really, it's their call. But if an image is, if I know an image is going to be out in the next couple of weeks and, you know, I know no one's going to share. But I mean, I always have to say, do not share it because yeah. you never know. Somebody might start subscribing and, and not know. But I think, I remember one time somebody posted it right after I put it on, I, I did the newsletter and I was like, oh, damn it. But as it turned out, it had actually just gone online somewhere else. <laughs> like the, the newsletter. So, and I remember a friend of mine gave the person crap or something like, he said, don't share this. Yeah. I was like, no, no, this was on the Marvel web. Like he got it from the Marvel yeah. website or whatever. So yeah, in the last two years, nobody has, um, nobody's kind of, not that there's anything crazy there. It's just, um, like I was saying before, the level of artifice with stuff, you know, um, you know, I'll, I'll talk on Twitter in a way I won't talk in the newsletter mm. because I don't think Twitter is really the best medium for that, you know? Mm. Um, so I can feel like I can be a bit, a bit more honest, a bit more transparent. Um, uh, and uh, I, don't, I don't know, it, it feel, I guess it feels good to actually talk to somebody. Like I do at conventions. I'll tell people what it, so, uh, I've told people stuff I've done at conventions that I should not have told them, you know, but <laughs> like, please keep this between us. And, it, and it's, to be fair, to, no one's ever gone online and said, oh, he said this at a convention, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, but I also like, should be probably be a bit, bit more careful. Um, um, like, t- like I've written the newsletter that's going out tomorrow and I've said something on it, which I'm not sure I should say, but again, I think it'll be all right because I'm eagerly looking at that. <laughs> It's, it's it's between yeah like yeah no I'm I'm thinking I might take it out but but it's not I should but, have but it's also nothing it's nothing it's it's no it doesn't betray anybody's confidence you know um because this sounds like it's a very clandestine thing it's really not it's just me talking about working <laughs> on comics it's it's if you're not interested uh, don't don't bother it's, it'd be boring um but uh, but I'm glad I, some people do kind of tell me at, like when, when conventions were happening they tell me they like it or now and then somebody will reply to the newsletter saying, Oh, this was really interesting. And that's great. It's, it's great to know people actually are getting something from it. And I, and I mean, I also hope that everybody who is reading it is buying my stuff because that's really, <laughs> that's really, it's kind of why I do it. You know, I, I, cause I, 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 I feel there might be a little bit more connection between um, the reader and the creator in that forum that I think can't exist on social media anymore. And as much as I try and be nice and honest with people online, um, you know, like there's things like say um, a Punisher book I was working on isn't happening. You know, I'm not getting onto that online. It's, it's, it's no one's business. Yeah. It's Marvel's business, but I might kind of say, you know, I'm bummed about it uh, on a newsletter because that's, again, it feels a bit more, if it's like, it's, I'm directly talking to the people who actually buy my stuff, you know? Yeah. And if like, I've no, like, no idea if they are. Savage Town, that, you know, you've had going through the, I was following the progression of that through the newsletter. So it wasn't a case of, you know, I missed two or three, like I said, I missed two or three tweets, you know, all of a sudden, you know, bog bodies could pass me by. Whereas I see how much this means, you know, I'm, I'm excited for you to get that book when it comes out as opposed Ooh, to, you know, I, I seeing mean, just one tweet uh, about it. There's a somewhat of a cynical reason for me doing that is because I want someone to be more engaged in it, but it's also true. You know, I am talking about something as I'm working on. And I think, I think, it's weird because like, I think the newsletter is something I would like, but you never know if that's what somebody else likes. I like process stuff. I like somebody talking about their, their work. I like hearing 
about how they're approaching projects and stuff. I'm, I'm, I just, I'm a junkie for all that type of stuff. Um, so you have to be a bit of an egotist to assume anybody would be interested in you doing, you doing that. <laughs> so guilty as charged, but, um, but, uh, you know, as, as a creator, I, I, you know, I'd like to put stuff out there that I would find interesting if I was not, uh, that creator. So all I can do is just hope that others, uh, do and, and they seem to. So that's cool. Just one final thing, just you said there about, you know, putting out your work and, you know, looking through the comments and the likes. You're somebody who, you know, is 10 years at Marvel, worked on the biggest books they have. Like, not, again, not to stroke your ego, like your talent is undeniable. No, Would do. you still look at a comment from some egg with three followers who, you know, makes a comment about your artwork and, and would that follow you around for the day? Do you still have that, you know, imposter syndrome no. inside you? No. No, I mean, no, the, the imposter syndrome is, is purely inside me, no matter, you know, that'll, that'll be there. I'm pretty good at kind of quieting it when it needs to. I, I, I know a lot of artists who like listen to it all the time and it stops them from working or it messes with their head. And um, I think, and I think it has something to do with my background. It's because I have job. I've, you know, I, I worked as a coalman. I worked in a kitchen. I worked in construction. I've worked jobs I didn't like. So I know how lucky I am to get to, to do what I do now, just sit on my arse and draw all day, pretty much. Um, so I think there's a certain workman aspect that I can switch on when I need to. But you also do need that, you need that voice telling you that what you're doing is crap in order to improve. Like, so only, only having one, like a workman attitude, will get the job done, but it won't necessarily be good. And the crippling artist thing inside you will... Force, will force you to be better unless it overloads you and stops you. So you need a balance between both. I think I'm lucky that I, um, that I have that. Um, and I had, I had a kind of a, a negative uh, experience online a couple of years ago, and it kind of taught me to um, just shut up, really. And, and like, there's no point trying to get everybody to like you because, you know, name anybody who you think is amazing, somebody else is going to hate them. Um, and I've kind of come around to the idea that um, um, I can't remember where I heard it, but it was a phrase. It was um, somebody else's opinion of me is none of my business. Because, hmm. um, you know, you can, you can waste days trying to make people like you who have just decided they don't like you for whatever reason. I, I've seen some stuff about me online, which is just like insane, you know, that I'm this or that I'm that, which is not me at all. And anybody who knows me would 100% like just roll their eyes at it. But if they have that in their head, like you can't argue them out of their opinion, you know. Um, so I think that's why I think I've, I've just behaved differently on Twitter now and um, where I'm not trying to be friends with anybody, with everybody anymore. But I also am trying to be, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. I remember, sorry if I'm going off on that tangent, but like I remember tens or something years ago, you'd notice people had personas online. Um, very, they were very popular people who were kind of like had an internet personality or an internet following. And, you know, I was like, oh, that's not me. I would never do that. But now we all do it, you know. We all do it to some degree because we all have a presence online. And I just, you know, I just would, all I hope is for like that, is that I come across a little bit, you know, that I'm, I love art and I love sharing good work. I missed my finger there, sorry, that's two. <laughs> um, um, and, you know, I'm, I also like a bit of a laugh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ridiculously pretentious, but I'm also a total clown. So um, all I can do is hope that, that, that as much of my personality comes across, but, but there's no, also no point in trying to live online because I've just seen people drive themselves crazy um, 
just trying to make the internet, like you said, like some egg hmm. with the, you know, seven digits in their, in their code. Like you just can't, some people you just can't take seriously anyway. And um, I, I, it's not to say I wouldn't take criticism seriously, but I, I would, I'd consider where the criticism is coming for before I decided it was, um, it was of any worth, you know, because now everybody has an opinion and um, everyone thinks they're right and um, they're not. So it takes a level of confidence to be able to go, well, that's what you think. Um, I, I remember one of my first reviews I ever got at Marvel, I drew Luke Cage with like two dot eyes, hmm. like, a, like, you know, like Tintin, um, yeah. because he was surprised and his head was this small in the page. I remember a critic think, like hailing it. And I, I, had to, I had to think to myself, well, that was my decision. It wasn't something that like, I didn't do a good job at. You know, that is a subjective yeah. tool that I tried. And maybe it didn't work, but that wasn't, it's, what I did wasn't bad. You can't objectively say it was bad. You can say it was successful or not successful. And that's subjective. And I, I kind of, that kind of helped my head a lot in regards to a lot of this stuff. Because sometimes I'm just trying something. And if it doesn't work for you, that's, that's fine. Um, and I think it's, it's done me well over the years, thinking that way. Yeah, that's something even from my standpoint when reviewing something, I'm trying to get, you know, was this a choice that was made? Is it something I don't like personally? Or is it something that is, you know, is bad in my personal opinion? Yeah, Which like again, there's, doesn't there's, mean a hell there's of comics out there that I don't like, but it doesn't mean they're not good. Like, I mean, when I was, a, you know, when I was 17, you know, um, I would absolutely, like, I, I hated Britney Spears, uh, you know, I was like, oh, I just want to listen to Radiohead. And then when I was in my like early 30s or, you know, and um, Girls Aloud were on, you know, teenage me would be like, oh, Girls Aloud, they suck, they're just a girl band. We were like, that's a good pop song. <laughs> you know, like, it's yeah. not for me. It's well made. Like, it's, it's objectively, it is a, it's a good song. Or, no, I mean, I, that's the most recent um, example I can think of because I don't know what a Nicki Minaj is. Um, and I've just about figured out what um, uh, Lady Gaga is. Oh, thank God. I thought you were going somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, no, 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 no. Um, I, I think I know what you mean. But like, I'm so out of touch with, with, with the music. Now. But, but I, I can, I think, you know, I think as a, being a creator teaches you, you know, to, to be less throwaway with what you say about things. Well, that's not true. I plenty do it anyway. But personally, I think I'm just able to go, that isn't for me, but that's fine. You know, there's films, there's films that are made I have no interest in, in seeing, so I just don't go see them, you know. Um, I, I hated Man of Steel with a passion, with a passion. Like so I didn't go see the other movies, you know. I didn't go see Batman versus Superman, which is crazy to me that I'm not going to go see Batman and Superman, but I'm like, I didn't like that film, the first one, so I don't see why I'm going to like the next one. So I'm just not going to... I'm not, I don't have an opinion on it. It looks bad, but, but I'm also not going to say, I'm not going to crap on a film that I haven't seen either. You know? Now, if I do see it, I, <laughs> I'll have my opinion. But it's just taught me to kind of go, well, look, I haven't seen it, so what do I know? You know maybe, it's, maybe it's great. Um, uh, or maybe, maybe it, is, it, it, it is terrible, but, uh, but loads of people like it. And you can't get angry for people liking something crap. Like, I mean... Where where would we be if <laughs> everybody went by that rule? You know. Thank you, Sally. I've taken up far too much of your time. Thank you so much for your choices. There, it feels like yeah. an age ago we were talking about he old school and road to perdition. But I'm really happy with where this is after going <laughs> now afterwards. Thanks so much. Yeah, for I'm sorry. Sorry if I veered off in bad places there. <laughs>
definitely my fault I'll, I'll link in the newsletter anyone who has any interest in comics or a working process definitely check it out it's well worth it Declan Shelby thank you so much for joining me uh, cheers man thanks <laughs>